0: You're listening to the Sports Island Podcast with your host, Rick Mitchell. And now, the Sports Island Podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is version 30 of the show, so another little milestone there, 30th episode. I appreciate you guys taking time to listen to the show as always. Definitely have a much shorter episode for you this week than we have in uh, the previous several weeks, but we still have plenty of stuff to get you caught up on, and uh, we'll start off in the PGA Tour. And this past weekend's event was the World Golf Championships Workday Championship at the concession, and it was at the concession golf club in Bradenton, Florida. It's a par 72, and the distance of the course is 7,564 yards. Now this course did have a 600yard par five hole. Um, this tournament was originally supposed to be played in Mexico as the World Golf Championship Mexico Championship, but it got moved to Florida due to the pandemic. and this tournament actually kicks off or kicked off a four-week stint in Florida. Uh, they just came from a few weeks in California, uh, but now the PGA Tour has moved to Florida for the next month. And this was the first event in that. Field was 72 players. There were no cuts. And um just top-ranked players all across the board. But when it was all said and done, your winner of the WGC Workday Championship at the concession was Colin Morikawa. He won with a score of eighteen under par. And that victory was his fourth career victory on tour, which is the most victories. By a player currently on tour that's younger than 25 years old. And Colin Morikawa also became the second player ever to win a major championship and a World Golf Championship event before turning 25 years old. And the other person, of course, is Tiger Woods. Now, Morikawa just played really good golf all weekend. Um, The kid, man, when he is on, he is just really exceptional. And he can hit the ball far. He's got extreme control on his driver. His backswing is nice and slow. It's pretty smooth. Um, just has it going. And he's, he's won a major. He, of course, he won the PGA Championship last season uh, at Harding Park. So he's won a major and a World Golf Championship in the span of about seven or so months. So uh, I would not be surprised if he won another major championship this year. That's how good this kid is, but we had a three-way tie for second place, all at 15 under par. Victor Hovland was at 15 under par, and he came into this uh, playing really good golf, and Hovland actually managed to shake off a quadruple bogey eight on the par four ninth hole on Friday's second round. So he come up to the par 4 ninth, and he ended up getting a snowman. On the hole, quadruple bogey. So let's just—he finished at 15 under, which is three shots back of Morikawa at the end of the tournament. So let's just say, for instance, that Victor Hovland just simply parred that par 4 ninth on Friday. He would have won this tournament by one shot. And, and I guess you could do that for every golfer that made a bogey or. Had a bad few shots, but that one specific hole, an, an eight is is pretty rare. Uh, we had some weird scores at this. We had a score, every score from a one all the way to a ten this past week at uh, the concession. The course played super hard, uh, and Hovland was a victim of, uh, a, a, you know, one of those holes that just got him. But uh, the other per- well, one of the other two players that tied for second at 15 under par was Brooks Kepka. Brooks came out swinging. Uh, he was went six under and five under in his first two rounds to finish at eleven under going into the weekend, and he only went four under over the course of the weekend. But he was near the top of the leaderboard all weekend, and he had a chance, um, you know, in that final round to kind of propel himself. Uh, missed a couple of putts, but he still was near the top of the leaderboard uh, all weekend, or all tournament rather. And after this uh, T2 here, this finish, and his recent win a few weeks back at the Waste Management Phoenix Open about a month ago, I guess, uh, it's it's pretty safe to say that Brooks Kepka's back. And um, he's had some trouble staying healthy and playing well, but, man, he sure is looking good now. And he is just a beast in major championships. And like Morikawa, I would not be surprised if Kepka added another major championship this year with the way he's uh, swinging the club right now. But the third guy that finished at T2, 15 under par, was Billy Horschel. He has grown up in Florida. He's the University of Florida Gator. Uh, loves playing in Florida. But he has never won on tour in Florida, which is very weird. He's played really well in a lot of tournaments in Florida, but he just has not won on tour in Florida. But he opened up with a pair of five under 67s on thursday and friday to really kind of put his name up there and then just really leveled out over the weekend um only went five under uh, over the weekend but fifth place was scotty scheffler with a score of 14 under par and that was just a super quiet 14 under par uh, his highest score uh, was a 70 which is two under um Wasn't real flashy, but just got it done. Just nice and consistent. His name really didn't pop up near the top of the leaderboard until Sunday. Um, He was kind of hanging around a little bit on Saturday, but uh, just really kind of propelled himself up there Sunday. But let's check out Rick's picks to click from the WGC at the concession. The first pick I gave you was Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, He was one of the few guys that had actually played this course before the concession. Uh, He won the 2015 NCAA Men's Championship at this course. So uh, I liked for him to come out and uh, play well. And he did actually, uh, well, he didn't come out and play well because on Thursday he went five over. He shot a plus five uh, 77 on Thursday in his opening round. But then he answered back on Friday with a just ridiculous eight under 64 that had nine birdies. He had nine birdies and one bogey. So he birdied half the holes on Friday to shoot a 64. And he pretty much um, ended up playing par golf the rest of the weekend. Well, <clears throat> he, he was under par, but he finished at 6 under par overall for the entire tournament, which put him at tied for 22nd. So he clicked for me, uh, T22. Now, these other two picks. Oh, boy. Um, Xander Shoffley. I told you he had come into this thing, 16 straight top 25 finishes, and I was going to pick him as a pick-to-click until that streak broke. Well, that streak broke this weekend because he finished at one under par, which is good for a T39. So he finished way outside the top 25. He just couldn't get anything going, and uh, literally the first time in the last 17 starts that he finished outside the top 25. My third pick to click uh, was Dustin Johnson, and just when you think he couldn't get any worse, here it is. He shot a five over for the tournament, tied for 54th, which is damn near last. Uh, Horrible tournament. Just played absolutely atrocious. He did have one eagle to show for, though, um, in Saturday's third round, so uh, that was exciting. But uh, yeah, so I clicked on one of three uh, at the WGC at the concession, so not good, uh, but at least I had one in there. But this weekend, uh, the PGA Tour course stays in Florida. Second event out of four in a row in Florida. It's the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And that's held at the Bay Hill Golf Club in Orlando, Florida. Bay Hill is a par 72, and it's 7,381 yards in distance. And it is the course that Arnie built. Last year's winner was T. Hatton. And this tournament is special. Uh, every year, the winner receives the famous red sweater that Arnold Palmer uh, has made famous. And so it'll be a nice, um, nice tournament. A lot of big-name players again in this tournament. Uh, it's a beautiful course. Uh, let's check out Rick's Picks to Click for this weekend's Arnold Palmer Invitational. And I'll start you off with Mat- Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, Fitzpatrick is ranked number 16 in the world. He's just played really well as of late. In his last three starts, he's gone T17, T5, and T11. So he's got three consecutive top 17 finishes. Uh, He also was a runner-up here at Bay Hill in 2019, just a couple years ago. And he's played this uh, course uh, three times, and he's finished inside the top 15 uh, at all three starts at Bay Hill. So... He's familiar with the course, he likes the course, and he's been playing well lately. Yeah, give me him to finish inside the top 25. My second pick to click is going to be Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland has moved himself up to number 13 in the world rankings, and he is the hottest golfer on tour right now. Uh, with with Shaffley's streak of, of top 25's ending last week, go ahead and put Hovland as the hottest golfer on tour at the moment. In his last seven starts, Victor Hovland has a win, two T2s, a T3, a T5, and a T6. He's coming off a T2 last weekend at the concession, and he is just firing on all cylinders. So I don't only like for him to finish inside the top 25. I think Victor Hovland's got a great chance to win this week, and I would not be surprised if he did my final pick-to-click here for the Arnold Palmer Invitational is a repeat pick. It's Bryson DeChambeau. He's number 11 in the world. Uh, he has three top 25s in his last four starts. The only uh, one was, was missed cut at the Genesis a few weeks ago. But uh, Bryson co-leads the tour in par-5 scoring. Uh, guy's just a monster with the driver. And historically, he's played well at Bay Hill as well. Uh, he finished second in 2018 and fourth last year here. So he also is familiar with the course. He likes it. And uh, I like for Deshambo to finish inside that top 25 as well. But we'll move over to the NBA and uh, do a standings update here in the National Basketball Association. Believe it or not, we are already at the halfway point of the NBA season. And the All-Star Game is this weekend, which will take place on Sunday, March 7th, and the second half of the season will start uh, several days after that. Guys uh, in the NBA have about a week or so off before they resume the second half of the season, and uh, over the course of the last couple episodes, I discussed the format of the All-Star Game as well as the preview of the second half of the season, Uh, so if you missed either of those discussions you can go back and check those out Uh, last week's was regarding the second half of the season and the week before that discussed the nba all-star game format but we'll take a look at the standings updates uh here in the eastern conference the top team at the halfway point in the east is the philadelphia 76ers at 24 and 12 they've been up there for a majority of the season but the brooklyn nets are 24 and 13 just a half game back Brooklyn's won nine out of their last ten games to just move right on up, and they haven't even had Kevin Durant for the last three weeks. Uh, James Harden, all he's done since getting to Brooklyn is propel himself into the MVP conversation, which is insane because that team is loaded with talent, and when you get a healthy KD back to pair with uh, Kyrie and Harden, that is going to be frightening for the rest of the East. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, twenty-two and fourteen. Boston Celtics at nineteen and seventeen. The New York Knicks, uh, they are fifth place at the at the halfway point. They've won seven out of their last ten. Uh, they have an All Star and Julius Randle. We'll talk about that in a minute. The uh, Miami Heat. Sixth at eighteen and eighteen, they've also won seven out of their last ten. They were kind of, they've been kind of going back and forth. Uh, they've been a real streaky team, but it looks like they're finally starting to put it together. The Charlotte Hornets are seventh at seventeen and eighteen. Toronto Raptors are the eighth seed currently at seventeen and nineteen. Now the Chicago Bulls are sixteen and eighteen. Indiana Pacers sixteen and nineteen. Atlanta Hawks. 16 and 20. Uh, Washington Wizards are 14 and 20. They've won seven out of their last 10 as well. Now, the interesting thing about Washington is that the Wizards, uh, they're 14 and 20 overall. They are 5 and 1 against the LA Lakers, LA Clippers, Brooklyn Nets, and Phoenix Suns. Four of the best teams in the league the Wizards are 5-1 against. Almost half of their wins have come against top-ranked teams. Now, they're 9-19 nine against all other teams, which makes zero sense because if you can beat the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nets, and or the Suns, you should be able to handle up on the rest of the league, but such is not the case with the Wizards. Cavaliers are 14 and 22. The Orlando Magic are 13 and 23, and the Detroit Pistons are last in the East at 10 and 26. Now, in the Western Conference, the top team at the break is the Utah Jazz, 27 and nine. Uh, just an outrageous 15 and two at home. Tough place to play. They're averaging 100 and almost 17 points a game, which is tops in the west. Uh, the second place team is the Phoenix Suns, 24-11. and 11. They've won eight out of their last ten uh, to kind of bump themselves all the way up there. Uh, the LA Lakers are the three seed at the moment, 24-13. and 13. They've been going the wrong direction. They've only won three out of their last ten. Uh, now, they haven't had Anthony Davis in a couple of weeks. He's been sidelined with the injury, but he'll be back after the All-Star break. Uh, so when he gets healthy and returns, uh, I don't have any concerns about the Lakers. The L.A. Clippers are 24-14, and 14, just a half game back from the Lakers. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers, they're 21-14 and as the fifth seed currently. Denver Nuggets are the sixth seed, 21-15. They're on a four-game winning streak heading into the break. The San Antonio Spurs are 18-14. My Dallas Mavericks are the eighth seed at the break in the Western Conference. Man, they're 18-16, and and they have won eight out of their last ten, including the last three in a row. Uh, Doncic is playing outstanding, as usual. He's an MVP candidate. Kristaps Porzingis uh, missed some time with an injury, but he's come back into the lineup. There was some trade speculation with him he's kind of brushed off and he's continuing to play how he can play when he's healthy Um, but the Mavs are looking good their offense is backfiring on all cylinders and um, so I look for the Mavericks to keep that going Golden State Warriors they're the ninth spot currently at 19 and 18 Memphis Grizzlies are 16 and 16 New Orleans Pelicans 15 and 21 Oklahoma City Thunder are also fifteen and twenty one Sacramento Kings fourteen and twenty two uh, they've only won twice in their last ten now the Houston Rockets they're eleven and twenty three okay, but they've lost thirteen games in a row have lost at all of their last ten games, but you know obviously. So, thirteen in a row, you think okay they're they're bad, but they're not even in the last that's the scary part is they're not even in last place in the Western Conference. The Minnesota timberwolves are seven and twenty nine they've only lost nine in a row and won once out of their last ten uh but yeah, Houston they started off eleven and ten, and now they're eleven and twenty three that is just absolutely abysmal but Looking to the second half of the season in the playoffs, uh, my original prediction to win the Eastern Conference was the Brooklyn Nets, and I uh, this was before the Harden trade, and I don't see anything that's going to change that. Uh, when KD comes back and he's healthy, boy, there's you know nobody's going to uh, beat that team four times in seven games when it comes to the playoffs. I, I think Brooklyn's going to win the title, frankly. In um, the, the Western Conference, the L.A. Lakers, uh, I like them to come out of the West. I know the Jazz are the best team right now. The Jazz are playing like the best team. But when the Lakers get Anthony Davis back, I just don't see that. There's a two top five players in the league between LeBron and, and A.D. So uh, I'm not worried about the Lakers. They'll be in the playoffs, and I think they'll make some noise once uh, A.D. gets back. So I like for the Lakers to come out of the west. Uh, although it's going that is going to be very interesting. The Western Conference is loaded with talent. And I'm curious to see how this second half of the NBA season unfolds. But we'll hop over to the National Hockey League and we'll check out some NHL standings updates. And uh, the NHL is uh you know they're they're doing a good job at staying on the ice. Uh, Sidney Crosby One of the faces of the league got placed on the COVID protocol list this past week. But the good news is that the NHL announced that their COVID protocol list had dropped to a total of three players, which is down from a season-high 59 players on February 12th. So in uh, about three weeks' time, they cut the COVID protocol list by about 56 players, which is fantastic. Uh, The NHL is doing a great job. And, and we'll jump right into the standings updates. The only division that has not had any COVID issues whatsoever is the Scotia North Division, which is, of course, the all-Canadian team division. And we'll run through the standings there. Top seed there at the moment, um, Toronto Maple Leafs, 18-5-2. Uh Second place at the moment, Winnipeg Jets, 15-7-1. They've played some really good hockey lately. They've won seven out of their last ten. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers are 14-11. and 11. They've lost three in a row. The Montreal Canadiens, they are 10-6-6. They uh, they've only won twice in their last ten games. They've fired a head coach and a couple of assistant coaches. Uh, they are heading in the wrong direction after a very promising start to the season Calgary Flames are 5th at 11-11-2 Vancouver Canucks 10-15-2 and And the Ottawa Senators are 8-17-1 and And, uh, moving over to the Discover Central Division Tampa Bay Lightning the defending Stanley Cup champs they are 16-4-2 to sit atop the Central at the moment They've won 7 out of their last 10. The Carolina Hurricanes are 16-6-1. Six they've won 4 games in a row. Florida Panthers look like a, a definitely a team to be reckoned with. They are 14-4-4. Four four. Chicago Blackhawks, they've won 7 out of their last 10. They're 13-7-5. Columbus Blue Jackets are 10-10-5. Nashville Predators are 10-13. and 13. The Detroit Red Wings are 7-16-3 on a three-game losing streak. And my beloved Dallas Stars, oh my goodness, they are in dead last in the Discover Central Division. Now, granted, they have played uh, only 18 games. The next closest to them would be Florida and Tampa Bay with 22 games played each. So they've, they've played four fewer games than two of the teams, uh, and a team like uh, Chicago and Columbus, well, Detroit. They've played 26 games. So Dallas has played eight fewer games than Detroit, but uh, th- Dallas is 6-8-4. and four. Uh, We've only won once out of our last ten, three overtime losses. They're on a four-game losing streak, and it is just absolutely horrible hockey being played by the Dallas Stars at the moment. So I am hoping that they can turn this around. The Central central Division is looking to be the most competitive division in hockey. It is the only division in which all four top seeds at the moment have 30-plus points. So the Stars need to start winning and in a hurry if they're going to make it back to the playoffs uh, because they are looking like trash at the moment. In the Mass Mutual East Division, the New York Islanders are atop of that at 13-6-4. They've won seven out of their last ten, including three in a row. Washington Capitals are 13-6-4 as well. Boston Bruins, 13-5-3. Philadelphia Flyers, 12-5-3. Pittsburgh Penguins, 12-9-1. Philadelphia and Pittsburgh played each other the other day. Pittsburgh got up three to nothing uh, in the first four minutes of the game literally within the first four minutes of the game Pittsburgh was up three nothing but Philadelphia stormed all the way back and ended up winning that game uh, so Philly uh, they looked like trash a couple weeks ago in that outdoor game at Lake Tahoe but uh, they are currently the four seed in the East division uh, after Pittsburgh is the New York Rangers nine nine and three. The New Jersey Devils are 7-10-2, and and the Buffalo Sabres are 6-12-3. and And Both New Jersey and Buffalo have lost four games in a row. Now in the Honda West division, St. Louis Blues are up top at 14-8-2. They're on a four-game winning streak. Uh, The Vegas Golden Knights are 14-4-1. They're also on a four-game winning streak. Colorado Avalanche 13-7-1. Minnesota Wild, 13-7-1. L.A. Kings, uh, they are 9-8-5. Arizona Coyotes, 10-10-3. San Jose Sharks, 8-10-2. And And holding up the rear in the Honda West Division, the Anaheim Ducks, they are 6-12-6. So every team, with the exception of... uh, Dallas has played 18, Vegas has played 19, but every team other than those two have played uh, over 20 games. Regular season is 56, so we are approaching the halfway point of the NHL season. Uh, Some great hockey being played, good competitive uh, divisions we have, and just like uh, the NBA, there's been a few more arenas start to allow fans into the stands, so another sign of uh, returning to normalcy. Hopefully all these venues will be full here in the next uh, few months. But, um, yeah, the NHL is really doing a good job, like I said, of, of keeping hockey on the ice, and hopefully they can continue that trend here moving forward. But we'll move over to our segment called Around the Island, and that is where we do some quick hit topics from the various sports. And we'll start off in Major League Baseball. Spring training is officially here. Uh, Spring training games have been played this past week, and man, it's a thing of beauty. Gotta love to see baseball back in action, uh, especially after that shortened, funky season last year. Uh, Spring training games, though, have been kind of wonky so far. Um, the, the The spring training games scheduled through March 13th are going to be seven inning games, as you've probably noticed. Now, Those games can also be shortened to five innings, which we have seen, if it is agreed upon by both managers. So we have seen both the seven-inning and the five-inning games so far here in spring training, but from March 14th on till the end of spring training, the games will all be nine innings. Now, the three-batter rule that requires relief pitchers to either face three hitters or finish an inning will not be enforced until March 14th when those nine-inning games take place. But in all of the 2021 spring training games, pitchers can leave a game and re-enter. Um, I guess not really sure what the purpose is behind that, uh, but obviously in the regular season that's not going to happen. But uh, in spring training pitchers can leave a game and re-enter. But uh, just glad that spring training and, and, and baseball is here. Now, I I saw a weird article uh, that was posted and a New Jersey online gambling company conducted a survey in which they canvassed more than 2,500 MLB fans that are over the age of 21 in regards to how much alcohol or beer, I guess, they drink at an MLB game when they go in person which is odd because we haven't seen fans, and we didn't have any fans in the stands last year until the world, so, until the playoffs. But uh, So this poll came out, and it was on a local radio station here uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and that's how I, I came across it. Uh, so it was mainly talking about where do Texas Ranger fans rank, but the Chicago White Sox... Their fans lead the way with 4.2 drinks per game. And the Texas Rangers, my fellow Rangers fans, we come in 21st in a tie for 21st with 2.9 drinks per game, which is pitiful. Uh, I guess I need to go to more Rangers games. Help us out. Now, the New York Mets fans led the way in average cost spent on alcohol while at a game. So they weren't first in number of drinks per game, but they were first in average uh, money spent on alcohol during the game with $53 per game per average Mets fan, which just tells you how ridiculously outrageous the beer prices are in New York, just like everything else. And speaking of New York, the Yankees, their manager Aaron Boone, he had to take an immediate medical leave of absence this past week in order to have a surgical procedure Uh, conducted which placed a pacemaker in his heart Uh, and all reports indicate that the surgery went well and that he is already recovering so hopefully uh, Boone can get back out there because the the Yankees of course as usual they have high aspirations for this season and Aaron Boone has been a pretty successful manager uh, so far in New York in his tenure But most important MLB news, I guess most noteworthy news that came out this week is that Major League Baseball announced that they are going to be bringing back the in-game video for players during this 2021 regular season, which features iPads in the dugouts and the catcher signals will be obscured by a computer program. So this video on this iPad is basically used by players to uh you know check out their at bats or take a closer look at a relief pitcher that's coming in the game uh basically the uh, MLB's version of watching film except they do it during the game and it helps them improve the overall quality uh, of the game and um now no video was used last year amidst the pandemic shortened season uh but it was also on the heels of the January 2020 punishment that came down uh, from the MLB to the Houston Astros for their electronic sign-stealing scandal that they were accused of stealing signs when they won the World Series and several seasons ago, I guess back in 2017, was it, maybe? Um, so the, the, there was no video last year, and without this in-game video, Major League Baseball finished with a uh, cumulative 245 batting average, which was the lowest cumulative batting average since 1968. And it was down from the average of 252 in 2019, which is the last time they had access to the video. So it went down by seven percentage points, uh, which may not seem like a lot, but we're talking about a cumulative um, batting average for the entire Major League Baseball. Uh, But we'll move over to the National Football League. Uh, Free agent defensive end J.J. Watt. He signed a two-year, $31 million deal with the Arizona Cardinals, with $23 million of that guaranteed. It's a great signing by Arizona, and this signing actually pairs J.J. Watt with defensive end Chandler Jones, who, since the start of the 2012 season, Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt are the top two guys in the NFL in sacks in that time frame, with 97 and 95 and a half, respectively. So they now have an elite pass rushing duo to pair with uh, young linebacker Isaiah Simmons, who they took in the first round last year. Uh, just uh, that they need to get a good defense because that division, of course, you have uh, the Rams, who just got Matthew Stafford. Uh, the Seahawks who for the moment have Russell Wilson still uh, you know and uh so and the 49ers who can run the ball really well so you need a uh good defense in that NFC West so we'll look for the Cardinals i think that uh i think that signing probably propels them into the playoffs they fell just short this past year but I think Kyler Murray, he took this next step in becoming an elite quarterback this past season. I think he's going to continue to grow. And I would look for the Arizona Cardinals to be in the NFL playoffs uh, this season. Some other free agent signings. Wide receiver Tyrell Williams He's uh, played on the Chargers, the Raiders. He's uh, been kind of a role player receiver. Uh, not really exceptional. He's had some good, good games, a good deep threat. Uh, he signed a one-year deal worth $6.2 million with the Detroit Lions. And that's a good signing by the Lions because they're probably going to lose uh, either Marvin Jones Jr. and or Kenny Galladay. I I believe they would place the franchise tag on Galladay if they could not reach an agreement. But um, I think they're probably going to lose Marvin Jones so Tyrell Williams would, would just essentially replace him. <clears throat> but another f- free agent signing is a re-signing, and it's safety Micah Hyde of the Buffalo Bills. He re-signed with the Bills on a two-year, $19.25 million contract. And Hyde made the Pro Bowl in 2017, uh, which was his first year with the Bills, and he's been an integral part of that Buffalo defense. And uh, Buffalo is here to stay. And uh, I think it was imperative that they uh, help get their defense uh, solidified and keep that intact just as much as their offense Uh, because they play in the AFC and you need to be effective on the defensive side of the football when you know you will be facing Tom Brady, I mean uh, Patrick Mahomes, I guess, at some point during the season in that AFC. Uh, Staying in the AFC, moving over to Denver. Denver. Uh, The Denver Broncos, they are the first team to use their franchise tag this year, and they placed the tag on safety Justin Simmons, which is the second consecutive season that they've done that. Uh, Simmons played under the franchise tag last year as well. Uh, Not sure. I I would assume, just based on the guaranteed money, that Simmons is going to play. I don't think he'll sit out, uh, but this very well might be his last year in Denver if they can't get a deal worked out. Now, Broncos linebacker Vaughn Miller, uh, he missed all of last season. Uh, he tore his ankle up uh, in uh, training camp, so he missed all of last season. And I talked about this, uh, I guess, many episodes ago. It's It's been several for sure. Uh, his, he came up uh, in a Parker, Colorado Police Department report uh, in, in reference to a domestic violence situation. And Parker Police Department has investigated the incident and they have determined that no charges will be filed on Von Miller. So that is huge news for Von Miller uh, as far as his ability to uh, at least put that uh, in a rearview mirror. Now, that doesn't uh, eliminate him from any kind of consequences with the NFL, Uh, but the fact that there were no charges filed... Uh, I do believe would help his case in not getting suspended. But that will be something to tune into because, like I said, he did miss all of last year. So if he gets suspended and misses any time this year, uh, that is not good for the Broncos. Uh, Last year's NFL Comeback Player of the Year, Alex Smith, he will not be back with the Washington football team as their quarterback. Washington football team has officially released Alex Smith, making him a free agent. And in doing so, they have cleared fourteen point nine million dollars against the salary cap, which is massive because this year's salary cap uh, is about fifteen million dollars uh, shorter than it normally is. So that fifteen million that they just saved by on Alex Smith is uh, uh, huge. Now I guess that means they're going to roll with Taylor Heineke as their quarterback. Perhaps had a had a good playoff game, uh, but. Who knows what Washington's going to do? I don't see them making any noise this year. <clears throat> but uh, another quarterback, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Pittsburgh Steelers' longtime quarterback, him and the Steelers agreed on a new restructured contract. And the reason that they restructured it is because Roethlisberger was due to make uh, $19 million cash value this year, but the salary cap hit was $41.3 million, which is a massive chunk of the cap, and the cap is only $185 million. so 41 of that uh, going to Roethlisberger just was not going to work, especially when they have other free agents they need to sign, so his new deal is a $14 million cash value with a salary cap hit of only $25.9 million. so... Basically lowered it by uh, about fifteen and a half ish million dollars, which again is just a massive amount of money to save uh, this year, more so than ever. So we'll see what Pittsburgh does with the extra cap room. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster, their Pro Bowl wide receiver, he's uh, on a he's free agent as well. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if they can re-sign him at all or not. But the Kansas City Chiefs. They, of course, we all know their home stadium is called Arrowhead Stadium. Well, they've decided to sell Arrowhead Stadium's naming rights. So it will now be called Jeeha Field, G-E-H-A Field at Arrowhead Stadium. It just, that just doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound right. It just sounds very odd. And it's almost too long for a stadium name, in my opinion. But uh, money talks. And in a uh, season after uh, one in which the NFL and all the teams lost a lot of money by not having full capacity in the stands, I guess you will do anything to uh, help generate revenue. But we're going to circle back over to the National Basketball Association Uh, This past week, I told you the All-Star game is this Sunday, so the All-Star rosters were selected this past week. Now, the captains, as voted on by the fans, were LeBron James in the Western Conference and Kevin Durant in the Eastern Conference. Well, Kevin Durant's been out for three weeks with a hamstring injury, and he's going to miss the All-Star game. Uh, So Jason Tatum from the Boston Celtics got named as the replacement starter in the Eastern Conference to take over for Kevin Durant's spot. But Kevin Durant, get, he did get to draft his team. Now, the format for the All-Star Draft, LeBron James had the first pick because he got more votes than Kevin Durant, but they alternated picks. So LeBron picked first, then Durant picked, and then so on. And here is how the rosters ended up. And the, the way in which I named these players are how they were picked. So... LeBron James, uh, his team, in addition to himself, obviously, he picked Giannis Antetokounmpo, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, Damian Lillard, Ben Simmons, Chris Paul, Jalen Brown, Paul George, Damontis Sabonis, and Rudy Gobert. And in the Eastern Conference, Kevin Durant picked Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, who is taking Durant's spot, James Harden, Devin Booker, who was just replaced by Mike Conley uh, due to an injury, Zion Williamson, Zach Levine, Julius Randle, Nikola Vucevic, and Donovan Mitchell. And what you'll notice is that the last player on each team uh, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell both play for the Utah Jazz who happened to be the best team in the league at the All-Star break the best record in the league they were the last two players selected in this NBA draft very interesting LeBron James had some highly questionable comments about that, basically played it off uh, and yeah, but if we're talking overall talent, Team LeBron is just out of control. Uh, LeBron, Giannis, Steph, Luka, and Jokic with Damian Lillard sitting on the bench. That's that's unfair. Now, Team Durant is, is good too. I mean, obviously Kyrie, Embiid, Kawhi, Beal, and Tatum with Harden on the bench. Zion and Donovan Mitchell. I mean, that's a good team too, but Uh, My prediction for the All-Star Game, I think Team LeBron wins. Uh, I don't see how you beat that team at all. Uh, Now, the All-Star Game skills competition. I talked about the format uh, a couple episodes ago. Basically, the All-Star festivities are going to take place all on one day, which will be Sunday, March 7th. Normally, the All-Star skills competition is Saturday the day before, but this year they're all doing it into one. The All-Star Game is in Atlanta, Georgia this year, and a total of 15 players will be participating in the on-court All-Star events that isn't the All-Star Game. So we're talking the three-point contest, skills competition, and the slam dunk contest. Now, the three-point contest and the skills competition are going to be done before the All-Star Game takes place. The slam dunk contest will be taking place at halftime of the All-Star Game. Your participants for the three-point contest. Steph Curry, Mike Conley, taking the place of Devin Booker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Zach Levine, and Donovan Mitchell. For the skills competition, Luka Doncic, Damontis Sabonis, Julius Randle, Nikola Vucevic, Chris Paul, and a non-all-star selection of Robert Covington, who plays for the Portland Trailblazers. And... Covington is the only current NBA player who is the graduate of a historically black university which would be Tennessee State so they wanted to incorporate that uh, since the all-star game is in Atlanta home of Martin Luther King uh, they wanted to incorporate that into their skills competition now the slam dunk contest um, there are no all-star selections that are, are participating in the slam dunk contest. So all three of these guys did not make the All-Star Game. That is Anthony Simmons, Cassius Stanley, and rookie Obi Toppin, who is known for his dunks. So none of the individual event winners from last year are returning to the skills competition this year to defend their titles. So no, no repeat winners this year uh, in any of those three events. And in fact... Only 18 of the NBA's teams will have representation at the All-Star festivities, which is much lower than usual. Uh, But of course, this weird season obviously makes things uh, a little more weird than normal. But uh, the Detroit Pistons, they have agreed to a contract buyout with forward Blake Griffin. So that means that Blake Griffin is now an unrestricted free agent and he is free to sign a contract wherever he wants. I've seen uh, speculation that he is going to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I have seen speculation that he is going to return to Los Angeles and sign with either the Lakers or the Clippers. Um, I think either would be a good signing for him. He is, um, you know... On the back nine of his career, so to speak. So if he wants to win a championship, I think uh, he would need to sign with a contender in order to make that happen because he does not have uh, a whole lot of time left in the NBA. He has passed his prime. Now, speaking of Atlanta, where the All-Star Game is, the Atlanta Hawks, this past week they fired their head coach, Lloyd Pierce. Uh, he'd only been with the sea, uh, the Hawks for two-plus seasons. He went 63-120 and 120, uh, in just two-plus seasons. Now, this year, the Hawks, they started out 10-9, and nine, which, you know, that's not bad. Uh, but they have lost 11 out of their last uh, 15 games. So uh, they entered the All-Star break on a bit of a skid. So they figured now is the time to fire their head coach. So interesting time to do that, but... Uh, Such is the case, but we'll move over to the National Hockey League, and we have another coach getting fired, the Calgary Flames. They fired their head coach, Jeff Ward, this past week, and hired a familiar face in Daryl Sutter to be their new head coach. Sutter previously coached the Calgary Flames from 2002 to 2006, uh, but he also has coached the Chicago Blackhawks, San Jose Sharks, and the Los Angeles Kings. So an interesting hire by the Flames, uh, but they are you know, struggling to uh, put some consistent hockey together, and they're looking to make the playoffs. So they figured uh, bringing back a familiar face would help get them there. Uh, a retirement from the NHL, uh, longtime Chicago Blackhawks defenseman Brent Seabrook. He officially announced his retirement this past week. Seabrook played in 114 games over, uh, I say that again, 1,114 games over 15 seasons, all with the Blackhawks. Uh, He played in 123 playoff games. He won three Stanley Cups, and he also won a gold medal at the uh, 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver as a member of Team Canada when they beat Team USA to win the gold medal so I think uh Brent Seabrook uh he there's a chance that he could get into the Hockey Hall of Fame I I think it's a a pretty pretty decent chance I don't know if he'll be a first ballot guy but I I do think that he'll get into the Hockey Hall of Fame eventually uh with that resume uh but good for him he he had kind of battling through some injuries wasn't able to get healthy and just decided to call it quits so We'll uh, move, move over to NCAA college football. State of California announced that um, they're going to be allowing fans into the stands for the um, upcoming seasons, which is nice because that affects all kinds of sports. Baseball starting up here soon, and um, you know college football. Maybe we'll get some. We'll get some fans uh, packed the stands. You know. The Rose Bowl, there was that whole incident where they had to move the Rose Bowl over to AT&T Stadium here in Texas. Uh, but uh, it'll be nice for fans to get back in the stands. Now, I mentioned uh, several episodes ago that EA Sports is coming out with a new NCAA football video game, which has been long awaited. It's been seven years since they've made one. There's already been two teams to opt out of, two colleges rather, to opt out of the video game and that's Notre Dame, Fighting Irish and the Northwestern Wildcats they both announced that they will not be uh, allowing EA Sports to use any of their information, logos teams, anything until the uh, NCAA hashes out the name image and likeness uh, bill that has been proposed that would allow student athletes to make money off of their name, image and likeness, i.e. Uh, being used in a video game. Well, a third university has since come out and said that they will not be participating in the video game, and that is the Tulane Green Wave. They have announced that, uh, just like Notre Dame and Northwestern, they are not going to be participating in the video game until uh, there is a court ruling on the name, image, and likeness. And I would fully suspect that this trend is going to continue and that there will be more universities that opt out of this video game. But I would also fully suspect that EA Sports, knowing that, is not going to publish the video game until the name, image, and likeness uh, situation is figured out. It just doesn't make sense for them to release the game when they'll have several universities more and more just keep uh, opting out of this video game, basically. So... Uh, Interesting to follow along with that. Uh, I'm definitely ready for the video game to come out, but I also want it to be um, running at 100% with all universities in there. I don't want to have some made-up university in place of any of the ones that have chosen to skip. But some strange news out of college football as well. Uh, Kansas, the University of Kansas, their head football coach, Les Miles, he's been placed on administrative leave uh, following reports of his inappropriate conduct that took place back in 2013 when he was the uh, then head coach of the LSU Tigers. And the reports this week kind of disturbing. Uh, they've reported that Les Miles was having uh, inappropriate contact uh, with college females on campus while he was the coach. basically, trying to lure them into doing things with him uh, as he said it would help. He could help better their careers or get them further along in school. Just kind of a weird story. Um, and if you recall, LSU had won a national championship back then with him as the head coach. So uh, the fact that he didn't get fired back then when, you know, certainly this came to came to light back then. But here it is some, what, eight seasons later and um, – It's just now getting the attention that it should have gotten back then. Uh, But I guess when you win a national championship as a head football coach at a premier university, uh, there's a lot of stuff that probably gets swept up under the rug. That, to me, just doesn't seem like something you should do that with, but nonetheless, it is what it is. But moving over from college football over to college basketball, and the men's... um, College basketball top twenty-five. We'll we'll go through. uh, These are the uh, week fifteen, I believe. Week fifteen's Associated Press poll. Uh, The number one team in the country is still the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Uh, They are twenty-four and zero, only unbeaten team uh, in the country. Just they look every bit of the best team. Going to be a one seed here in the tournament and a force to be reckoned with. Uh, The number two seed currently, the Michigan Wolverines, although they just got spanked the other night by the Illinois fighting Illini. uh, At home, too, by the way. Uh, Illinois is fourth. Now, the third-place team, the Baylor Bears. They suffered a loss last week to Kansas, but came back and followed it up with a huge overtime victory over West Virginia. So I just mentioned Illinois was fourth. Iowa is fifth. West Virginia, that close loss against Baylor. West Virginia is sixth. Ohio State, seven. Alabama, eight. Houston, they're 20 and three. They're at ninth. Villanova, Florida State, Arkansas. Arkansas just completely steamrolled uh, somebody the other night. They put up 101 points. Uh, I forget who it was against, but my goodness, Arkansas looks legit. They're 19 and five. Uh, Kansas, they're up to 13 after they knocked off Baylor from their undefeated reign there. Um, Creighton is 17 and 6. Texas, uh, they're 14 and 7, but they just had a big win last night over the University of Oklahoma, who is the 16th place team in the country at the moment. Um, Oklahoma State is 16 and 6. Texas Tech is right after them. So, you have four Big 12 teams right in a row between 15 and 18. Uh, San Diego State, 19th, uh, 20th is Loyola, Chicago. They are 21 and 4. Now, granted, their schedule is not uh, the schedule that the Big 10 and the Big 12 play, but nonetheless, they've won 21 out of 25 games. Uh, Virginia is number 21, Virginia Tech, 22, Purdue, 23. Colorado, 24, and Wisconsin at 25. So Big Ten, uh, we talked about this pretty much on every uh, every week. The Big Ten and the Big 12, they're going to have a lot of representation in the NCAA tournament. Uh, the Big Ten, uh, they are responsible th- for three of the top five teams in the country and four of the top eight, seven rather. Uh, they are just really good, uh, and I would say... Uh, if the national champion is not Gonzaga, uh, it's going to be uh, one of the Big Ten or Big 12 teams. Uh, I completely believe that. Uh, there's just Those conferences are too good. Uh, and, but I think Gonzaga's got a really good chance to win the, the Natty this year, just based on the way they've been playing. They're deep. But um, that's going to wrap up the 30th episode of the Sports Island podcast. I hope you all enjoyed that. Again, it was a little shorter than the previous episodes, but we still got you caught up on everything. So uh, you all stay safe, be well, and we'll catch you on Sports Island next week.